illuminating facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, magnificent Monday to you. Welcome to Thanksgiving week on The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. So glad you're with me. Let me give out that phone number so you can grab a line. Get your voice heard on the program, 888-914-9149. That's the number to call toll-free to talk to me. And you can also, of course, find me on email. Although I won't be answering my email during the show. I'm kind of busy. You know how it is. But the email address is kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. And, of course, you can also get me on the X app, formerly known as Twitter, my handle is at Kale Clark. So good to be with you today. And I'm just going to crack open a whole new show for you, which I'm really excited about. And uh, don't worry. Don't worry. It's just Diet Coke. But this is great. This is great. I, I, I On Monday mornings, I, I read at my local parish uh, for the uh, morning mass. And I just, I was really pleasantly surprised by the first reading today. Of course, it's Monday of the 33rd week in ordinary time, but there's no such thing as just ordinary time. Every day is extraordinary, right? At least it should be. As Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel likes to say, today is the most important day of our lives because it's the only one that actually exists. The past is gone. We leave it to God's mercy. The future, of course, Hasn't gotten here yet. We leave it to God's providence. And so, well, let's try to live the present moment well. And, and today's first reading comes to us from the first book of Maccabees. I love, 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 love the books of the Maccabees. And in fact, I did a whole series on them on the Faith Explained show. Hopefully it's still in the archives there on the Faith Explained page on relevantradio.com. It was so much fun. And, and I, I got to read this to you because I, I think this is, in some ways, we're dealing with the situation isn't as dire for us in terms of our physical safety at this point, although uh, in else, elsewhere in the world it certainly is. We think about uh, the brutal crimes that are happening uh, against Catholics, priests being kidnapped all the time in places like Nigeria. But in 21st century America, what do you think? I mean, maybe you can call in and answer this question. Do you, do you think that Catholics in the 21st century in North America have compromised their faith, their sacramental beliefs, their moral obligations of the new covenant. And that's that's a question that Scott Hahn asked today in his uh, Breaking the Bread podcast. Really great little podcast, by the way. I listen to that all the time. And Scott Hahn was recently on Relevant Radio, joined us as the co-host, the celebrity co-host of the Family Rosary Across America some weeks ago. But as you know, he runs the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. And every day they put out a little, little podcast on the daily readings. It's really nice. And, and he was... Um, um, uh, sort of on the mic today, and he and that's a question he asked because what was going on in the time of the Maccabees was that many of the people of the Old Covenant time compromised their faith in order to to fit in. With, and admittedly, it was a dangerous time, but uh, the way that they chose to try to deal with it uh, was not appropriate. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And so let, let me just read to you a little bit about what was going on, and we'll see if there's any parallels in our own time. This is, again, 1 Maccabees, a selection of verses from 1 Maccabees chapter 1. And it says, from the descendants of Alexander's officers, there sprang a sinful offshoot, Antiochus Epiphanes. And by the way, by the way, who's the Alexander in question? Alexander the Great. 
Alexander the Great, of course, conquered most of the known world at this time. And the events of the Maccabees, the books of the Maccabees, kind of take place between 170 B.C. to 134 B.C. They're not considered scripture by Protestants. They are considered scripture by Catholics, by the uh, Orthodox churches of the East. And I think it's 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 really important that they, that they are in there. Um, they are scripture. But so Alexander the Great, when he took over Judea, eventually his kingdom got broken up. And who ruled that area at this point, about 170 BC, was Antiochus IV Epiphanes. That's what he called himself. Now this is pretty, it's pretty arrogant. Let me let me tell you something because Epiphany, of course, you, you know about the feast of the Epiphany, of course, which we celebrate in the new year. And Epiphany means manifestation of God, the very manifestation of God. And we know, of course, ultimately that happens through the manifestation of Jesus Christ. Now, some of his critics, some of Antiochus's critics called him not Epiphanes, which means manifestation of God, but uh, Epimanes. Epimanes. It's kind of a little pun, a little play on words. That means mad. Like, this guy is absolutely nuts. He is crazy. He is certifiable. And uh, his actions certainly uh, bore that out, that's for sure. So it says that Antiochus Epiphanes became king, who was once a hostage at Rome. He became king in year 137 of the kingdom of the Greeks. In those days, there appeared in Israel men who were breakers of the law, and they seduced many people, saying, let us go and make an alliance with the Gentiles all around us. Since we separated from them, many evils have come upon us. The proposal was agreeable, and some from among the people promptly went to the king, and he authorized them to introduce the way of living of the Gentiles. So these are basically Jewish people who said, let's make a deal with the, with these occupying rulers, these Gentiles. And we're in kind of a, a desperate place. There's a lot of persecutions breaking out against us. Maybe we should just kind of go along to get along. So the king authorizes them to introduce the way of living in the Gentiles. It says they built a gymnasium in Jerusalem, according to the Gentile custom. By the way, this is this was not sort of a you know Planet Fitness or an Orange Theory location in your local neighborhood. That's not the kind of gymnasium we're talking about. Yeah, people could work out there, but the gymnasium in the ancient Greek world was more than just a, a place to pump iron. It was a place to sort of uh, imbibe the latest ideas and teaching. And by the way, when people worked out in these gymnasiums, they were completely naked. There was no Lululemon athletic, uh, you know, yoga pants there. Um, uh, yeah, it was people, guys, it was, it was all men, by the way, and they're they all in the buff. Now, why, why, why is this important? Because of the very, very next verse, what does it say there? They built a gymnasium in Jerusalem, according to the Gentile custom, and they covered over the mark of their circumcision and abandoned the holy covenant. They allied themselves with the Gentiles and sold themselves to wrongdoing. Now, I have no idea how this worked. Obviously, the the main differentiator between uh, Jews and non-Jews in the ancient world, and we kind of are talking about this as well in the Faith Explained program right now, because we're dealing with St. Paul's letter to the Romans, and he's making great pains to talk about the circumcised, that that being the Jews, and the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, and how they are brought together in the church in one body. 
And it's, it's just an exciting, exciting letter from St. Paul. And of course, back then in the first century, and in the time even before that, time of the Maccabees, there, there were, I mean, there were no private bathrooms. People didn't have in, in, in the Roman Empire their own private shower or anything like that. Only the, the uber wealthy did. But everybody else kind of had to go to the public bathhouse. And it was painfully obvious, your religion, because pff, it was easy to tell which guys were Jewish and which guys weren't. Let's put it that way. And um, you couldn't hide it. But some people wanted to. They wanted to fit in. And so it says that they covered the mark of their circumcision. How, how on earth did they do that? I have no idea. Let's get some crazy glue and some extra skin. I don't know. I don't want to speculate. That's sorry for the visual, but but that that was uncool in a lot of different ways. And so they basically went along to get along, and they they basically took on the the motif of paganism in their own lives. And it says again back to First Maccabees here. The king wrote to his whole kingdom that all should be one people, each abandoning his particular customs. All the Gentiles conformed to the command of the king, and many children of Israel were in favor of his religion. They sacrificed to idols and profaned the Sabbath. On the 15th day of the month, Chislev, and that's one of the Jewish months of the year, in the year 145, the king erected the horrible abomination upon the altar of burnt offerings. And in the surrounding cities of Judah, they built pagan altars. Now, this is what's known, by the way, in the Bible as the abomination that causes desolation. Jesus refers to this and it's sort of being repeated somehow in the future, uh, in the end times. But what was really going on there was that Antiochus Epiphanes, essentially what he did was he, he sacrificed a pig on the high altar in the temple to Zeus. And this was an absolute disgrace and a profanation, to say the least, but even many of the Israelites kind of went in on this. And they, it says they too sacrificed to idols, profane the Sabbath. Not cool. In the surrounding cities of Judah, it says they built pagan altars, burned incense at the doors of the houses and in the streets. Any scrolls of the law which they found, they tore up and burnt. Religious book burning. It's always a feature of any pogroms that take place against the people of God. Whoever was found with a scroll of the covenant, whoever observed the law, was condemned to death by royal decree. But many in Israel were determined and resolved in their hearts not to eat anything unclean. They preferred to die rather than to be defiled with unclean food or to profane the holy covenant. And they did die. Terrible affliction was upon Israel. And so we'll see, and the readings over the next few days will be from uh, the books of the Maccabees. What we're going to see, Eleazar, this aged man who is also, ten he, he has a way out. Hey, man, because they were being forced to eat uh, pagan foods and non-kosher foods, just eat the bacon, have the bacon burger, just pretend to eat it. You don't really have to eat it, and that, that way they won't kill you. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm an old man. I am done playing, and I don't want to create a bad example for other people. So we'll, we'll deal with that tomorrow. But, but this is, this is the, the start of what led up to the Maccabean revolt. Judas Maccabeus, of course, and his brothers, the other sons of Mattathias, they rise up. And the Maccabee, man, the hammer of the heretics, you know, Judas Maccabeus, that's what his name means, the hammer. And I've told you before, in Israel, there's a great beer called the Maccabee beer. Uh, some people get hammered with the hammer, the Maccabee. You should not do that. Uh, drunkenness is a sin, serious sin as well. But nonetheless, uh, it, it's a great book. And, and 
it just kind of gives rise to this question about what about us in the new covenant? Have we compromised our faith in many ways, our, our sacramental bonds, our own moral obligations, as Han was asking today, of the new covenant? What do you think? What do you think? And that's where the gospel reading comes in as well, which is which is amazing because it's the healing of the man who was blind, and he was not born blind. This is a different guy than in John chapter 9, the, the man born blind. This guy used to be able to see. In Luke 18, we have today's gospel. It says, As he drew near near to Jericho, and this is Jesus, of course, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a multitude going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Now, of course, this is the same person as blind Bartimaeus. And, of course, Mark's gospel we get his name, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, blind Bart, as he's often known. And so it's 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 the same account. Luke just kind of highlights uh, some different things here. And this is this is amazing because one of the things that uh, that Saint Augustine said in a in a homily about this passage is that it's interesting that people did not want Jesus to notice this guy. They didn't really want him to get healed. Uh, he, he kept crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And, and those who were around, they're just like, please be quiet. You know, he's got better things to do. He's on a mission. He doesn't have the time for you. Son of David, have mercy on me. But he, he was insistent and he would not stop until Jesus stopped. And and he noticed him. He heard him. And some people say, well, he, he heard him all along and he just wanted him to, to keep clamoring, to keep asking. And this is what we have to do in our prayer life sometime, to keep asking and imploring Christ, and not to give up so easily sometimes. Always, of course, leaving it up to God's will, whether our prayers are answered, or at least answered in the way that we think they should be. But it's interesting that the crowd said, you know, cut it out. (laughs) And St. Augustine said this, look, the crowd signifies fellow believers who are walking with Jesus. They're, They're walking with Christ. They're following him. They're disciples. But Sometimes they hinder our progress in the spiritual life. And so we have to strive, just like the blind man, just like Bartimaeus, to overcome their discouragement and and, and grow in virtue. And that's interesting because that's exactly what was going on in the time of the Maccabees as well, that some people just wanted to hold back other people from from practicing their faith and from being faithful to God and, and his commandments and his ordinances. And in this case, it's like they, they want to just kind of keep this guy down. And sometimes in the church, I think that does happen. People just look, don't try to be a saint. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. It's way too much. Just be a normal person. Don't be ridiculous. Don't be outlandish. Don't turn into Ned Flanders from The Simpson, from the Simpsons cartoon. Don't become this strange Christian guy. And that's 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 a lie because when we 
really become a saint, we'll become a better version of ourselves, the best version of ourselves, who we're really created to be. And so we'll see. We'll see Jesus for who he is. We will see ourselves for who we really are and who we're called to be. And some people just love mediocrity and they, they don't want you to become a saint. They don't want me to become a saint. And they just rather we just kind of sit down on the side of the road and keep our eyes closed and just kind of hope for, hope for the scraps in, in the spiritual life. But we ought not to do that. And of course, this idea, son of David, have mercy on me. We see, we see, um, in, uh, in this gospel, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus said, <laughs> I think he knows, but Lord, let me receive my sight. Domine ut vidium. That's what it says in the Latin translation, Lord, that I might see. And St. Jose Maria Escrivá, the founder of Opus Dei, he used to pray this all the time because he knew God wanted something from him, but he didn't know what it was. He had no idea. He prayed this for years. He just had this inkling, this, this, this sense of a call. And, of course, God founded, called him to found Opus Dei. It was really God's idea. He just says, I'm going to use you to do it. And he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to become a founder of anything, but, but he had to become obedient. And this, this idea that just remind people that they can become saints in the middle of the world. They don't have to settle for mediocrity. They can become saints right where they are in their work, in their family life, and, and, uh, and, and see the light, as it were, God's plan for them. So he used to pray that, you know, Lord, let me see. And he also used to pray, Lady, let it be, you know, Domina ut sit. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like the Beatles, you know, let it be, uh, Mother Mary, all that stuff. And I'm not a big Beatles guy. I'm not like Patrick Madrid, but... I don't know what he thinks of the new Beatles song. I heard it the other day. It was okay. It was all right. But the point of it is, though, that we do have to pray that prayer ourselves. Lord, that I might see. Just just like this man. And we, we have to be willing to go against the grain, go against the crowd, go against the culture, even sometimes go against our fellow Catholics who would rather that we just kind of fit in and not live up to the demands of the gospel. So it's incredibly important that we do that. We'll be right back. I've got some fun stuff for you lined up on the show. You won't want to miss it. So you're listening to The Cale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. Be right back. Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Hey, welcome back to the program. 888-914-9149 is the number to call to talk to me for free. And you might want to react to what we were talking about before the break. And in fact, we have somebody who wants to do just that. We're talking about whether or not we Catholics in 21st century America maybe compromised our faith a little bit. Maybe we've watered it down to try to fit in, just like in the days of the Maccabean revolt. Uh, a lot of the people of God compromised with a wicked ruler. Have we too kind of, in some ways, broken our sacramental bonds or moral obligations of the new covenant? Let's go to Rudy in California. Hi, Rudy. Hey, Kay, how are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for calling Good. in. Yeah, I've been on the RCIA team, and I've gone to about four or five different parishes, and I've noticed how they teach some of them are solid teaching, but other ones are these watered-down methods. Hmm. Perfect example I'll show you is like dismissal. The way that I like to teach is, what does it say? What does it mean? 
what does it mean about God, and what does it mean to me? So the readings will be apical to their life. Mm-hmm. And what I notice is, well, what what do you get out of this? What is yeah. it telling you? And this is yeah. what I'm saying. That's not solid teaching. And yeah. anyone could say, oh, it means this to me. It means that. And this is what I'm saying. That's yeah. a, it's watered down. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> how, how do you feel about it? Yeah, that's that's the question of the age. It's all It's all about feelings and... Uh, this is one of the reasons why we have the Faith Explained program on Relevant Radio. We go through Scripture and we try to uncover, of course, what the meaning, what the intent of the author was, whether it's St. Paul, as what we're doing right now, we're studying his letter to the Romans. What did Paul really mean in his historical context? Because anything it means for us now, today, in the 21st century, has to be rooted in that. We can't just uh, disengage and uh, create a new context, new meaning out of, out of thin air. That's that's not how it works uh, with, with the Spirit. Many people think that is that is the way, but but no, it's not. And, and I appreciate that, Rudy. And yeah, thanks for calling in. The, the RCIA program is an interesting animal because, as Rudy said, you go to different parishes and people will, the quality varies quite a bit. It's not like, you know, a McDonald's franchise where you know you're going to get the same meal pretty much anywhere you go, any city you go into. Uh, it's trustworthy. It's a high degree of, of predictability. Not the case with RCIA. It depends who's leading it. Depends... Uh, what their resources are. They're giving people a book to read. You know, it'd be an amazing book to read for RCA. I was thinking this during our pledge drive, uh, recently on relevant radio, we were giving away copies to anybody who donated a dollar a day for the year, got a copy of an excellent book by father Peter Arminio called highlights of the Catholic faith. It is awesome. I have, I have one on my desk and this would be a great text for RCA. It is solid, solid teaching, but unfortunately that that's, uh, that's not the case. And maybe producer Jim, you can find out. Can people still get that book if they if they make a donation? Maybe they still can. I don't know. But anyways, it's 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 well worth it. It's amazing. And um, I do want to. By the way, I forgot before the break we were talking about the the books of the Maccabees, and of course uh, the first reading at Mass uh, for this week, for at least for the next few days, will be from the books of the Maccabees. And I forgot to tell you what happened in the end to the wicked Seleucid ruler, Antiochus Epiphanes, Antiochus IV Epiphanes. And again, his name meant divine manifestation. He literally thought that he was a a god on earth. Not the case. Persecuted the people of God, committed all kinds of dastardly deeds. Well, he got his comeuppance in the end. And in fact, in the second book of Maccabees, this is what happened to him. It says, But the all-seeing Lord, the God of Israel, struck him, with an incurable and invisible blow. As soon as he stopped speaking, he's giving a big, big talk. He was seized with a pain in his bowels for which there was no relief. Okay. There's no Pepto-Bismol would not have worked. This, this was really, really bad. And I, I apologize for the graphic nature of this, but it's in the scriptures. I didn't make it up. Uh, he was seized with a pain in his bowels for which there was no relief and with sharp internal tortures. And that very justly for he had tortured the bowels of others with many and strange inflictions, yet he did not in any way stop his insolence, but was even more filled with arrogance, breathing fire in his rage against the Jews and giving orders to drive even faster. And so it came about that he fell out of his chariot as it was rushing along, and the fall was so hard as to torture every limb of his body. Now listen to this, listen to this. Thus he, who only a little while before had thought in his superhuman arrogance that he could command the waves of the sea and had imagined that he could weigh the high mountains in a balance, was brought down to earth 
and carried in a litter, making the power of God manifest to all. And so the ungodly man's body swarmed with worms, and while he was still living in anguish and pain, his flesh rotted away. And because of the stench, the whole army felt revulsion at his decay. So this is from Second Maccabees chapter 9. Uh, if you want to look it up. So, I mean, that, he, he did not, that wasn't a good death. Let's put it that way. But, but the interesting thing to point out is that uh, the writer says that just a, only a little while before, he had thought in his superhuman arrogance that he could command the waves of the sea. He thought he was Epiphanes. He thought he was a divine manifestation. He thought he had divine power. Well, who can really command the waves of the sea? Jesus Christ. He, he is the true divine manifestation. Absolutely. And it's interesting. It says that the way he died, he was brought down to earth, making the power of God manifest to all. You know, epiphanies, the manifestation of God. So nice little pun there by the scriptural writer. Uh, I, I love that the scriptural writers even use puns. as great stuff on uh, Antiochus Epiphany. So I, I love these historical books of the Bible. They're just fantastic, and they can really uh, help instruct us in our current age. Now, he, Here's another thing, too. Here's another. This is a, this is a piece that was sent to me by none other than Patrick Alog, who's working the phones. You'll talk to him if you call in to talk to me. you got to get through him first, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. He's kind of my last line of defense before you get on the air. So Patrick does a great job. But the other thing I, I always say at the, at the top of every hour, you can email me, and it's great to become a shadow producer of The Kale Clark Show. You can send me an article uh, the address is kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com, or you can tag me on Twitter, at Kale Clark. Having said that, uh, Patrick had sent me an article a while back, and Patrick, you probably thought I forgot about this, but I didn't. I never forget. I'm like an elephant. I never forget. And this this was a, an, an intriguing piece, and it was all about, essentially, have we become a nation of slobs? Now, it's Monday. It's Thanksgiving week. A lot of you guys are going to be taking some time off at the end of the week and traveling and all that sort of stuff. But at least for the next couple of days, you're probably working, you're probably clocking in. And, and I don't know, what, what is the dress code like at your place of work? Now, maybe you're working from home and you can wear the Zoom suit and, I don't know, wear surf shorts, you know, when you're doing your Zoom meetings. I have no idea. But if you are in this RTO environment, return to office, what do you, what's the dress code and, and how does it affect things? And, and so Patrick Alock had sent me this article called Why Dressing Well Matters in an Age of Disorder. And, and this is intriguing because um, I do think that this article had, had some good points to make, that the way that people dress right now in the culture says a lot about what we value, what we've lost as well. So this is an article that was written by S.A. McCarthy um, for spectator.org, the American Spectator. And we can put a, we can put a link to it uh uh, in the show notes for you as well. But it kind of starts off by talking about Senator John Fetterman, uh, who it describes as um, the Wario uh, of, of the Senate. And of course, Wario is the arch rival of Super Mario. And uh, Wario was very memorably played, by the way, in a, in a Saturday, Night Live, Saturday Night Live skit by Elon Musk. Anyways, I digress. I digress. And uh, apparently the U.S. Senate has finally reversed what it called the Fetterman rule. It wasn't called that for real, but it was colloquially known as the Fetterman rule, according to uh, S.A. McCarthy. So they've unanimously, the Senate has voted to reinstate a proper dress code. I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. Because in the past, uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer 
the Democratic senator from New York, he had actually scrapped the dress code. And uh, as S.A. McCarthy explains, this is really what allowed John Fetterman, who is uh, the Democratic senator from Pennsylvania, to wander the Senate halls and floor wearing these cargo shorts, you know, like hoodies, um, shirts that looked like they were stolen from Shrek's closet. And, and so this guy's like, you know what, maybe, maybe it's time that not just senators, but just Americans in general begin holding themselves to a better dress code. You look at old movies, TV shows, and grandma and grandpa's photo albums, and he says up until about 50 or 60 years ago, Americans took their wardrobes very seriously. Men would always wear suits or at least a sport coat. Women with dresses, skirts, blouses, ties were commonplace. Hats were a hot commodity for both men and women. That's kind of coming back, though, I think, a little bit. But that was seemed to be, you know, kind of an age now long gone by. And sometimes on Twitter, there's there are these historical accounts that I follow on Twitter. And sometimes they'll say, hey, this is what Paris looked like or London or New York City at lunchtime back in, you know, 1890s or, or the 2010, not 2010s, but but in the 1920s or something like that. And they'll have a film and they'll sometimes colorize it. And people are dressed to the nines, like even on the weekend. There was one that was like Saturday in Paris, lunchtime. It was it was like people were just, you know, dolled up. And th- this seems to be an age now long past. And and this kind of got started, by the way, this idea of dressing well in, in the 1600s. Men would wear a collared shirt, jacket, coat, trousers. I mean, fashions change over time. You know, the way that Mozart dressed is not the way that we dress today, but the wigs were cool. Um Leather shoes, women would wear some some sort of a dress usually. Uh, the basic idea was the same. Everybody wore hats outside. Indoors, women are allowed to wear hats, not, not the men. Uh, I've, I, this is one of the, the, the maybe signs of the apocalypse as well. I've, I've seen, this has become more and more commonplace. I've seen a lot of men wearing baseball caps to mass. Um, not cool. Like women are still allowed to wear hats, of course, in, in, indoors and even at mass, but, but not guys. And sometimes an usher will have to tell this guy, you know, take your hat off or whatever. And people just, they, they literally, I, I think, don't know. There, there's a lot of, um, perhaps invincible ignorance on, on this sort of stuff. So, so this, uh, this idea that, that people were dressing well, uh, was something that was kind of common across all cultures and, and all even socioeconomic groups, this idea that the, uh, and this kind of coincided with, with the fact that the, I guess you could say the social caste system was breaking down. People were being raised up. Um, equality in, in the culture, especially in the United States, in the West, the idea that you could, you know, you could rise up and, and you could make something of yourself. And people took pride in their appearance, but not anymore, not anymore. And so uh, the author of this piece is asking, what the heck happened? How did this centuries-long custom suddenly fall into decay? And it's hard to precipitate a a specific event or time when this got started. But since the, 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 uh, I would say, the 20th century, at least early 20th century, the first half, well, he actually says the first half of the 1900s, so that would be the 18th century. This is when respect, he says, for tradition and dress began to decay. And then with the World Wars, uh, obviously early 20th century, that brought about a, a decline in traditional religious belief. And people became more nihilistic and apathetic. Marxism started to gain a foothold in the world. Uh, 
Russia kind of embraced communism, socialism, even even in some some areas in the West began to take hold. Immorality of a sexual nature became more and more common. And yet, and yet still somehow people did have a social modicum of respect for other people in, in general. But in the 1960s, whew, obviously the sexual revolution took place and what he calls the twin pillars of virtue, respect for others, respect for self, they both fell in one crippling blow. And St. John Paul the Great, he, he wrote a lot about this in his book, Love and Responsibility. And this idea of freedom from responsibility, not cool. He said to love someone is the very opposite of what it means to use someone. But that's exactly what passes for love, you know, in, in much of Western culture since the sexual revolution, this idea of use. And so um, people became no more than playthings to one another, toys to be tinkered with. Nobody cared about people's dignity. Uh, the twin evils of contraception and abortion were foisted on society. The decay uh, of these norms have left us with a with a West that considers sweatpants, cargo shorts, and yoga leggings par for the course. To the point that even if somebody wears, as the author says, just a, just a dark cut pair of like a dark wash blue jean and a, and a sort of a crisp shirt with no tie, no jacket, or anything, that that's like, oh my gosh, why why are you so overdressed? This is a this is sometimes sometimes the reaction. So. Is this sort of a, a, a show of a lack of respect for others, a lack of respect for one oneself? Um, people shopping in grocery stores wearing their pajamas and you know, slippers, almost fuzzy slippers. I, I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you? What do you? Is this a harbinger of, of of what's what's happened? What's befallen society? I don't know. Have we, have we become a slob nation? Does it does it really matter? Um, what do you guys think? I'd love to hear from you. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Let's go to Tom. And you can disagree, by the way. You might not think this is a good take from this particular author. And once again, this was in the American Spectator, written by S. A. McCarthy. Let's go to Tom in California. Hello, Tom. Good afternoon, Kel. I, I just wanted to standards, moral standards. You know, in oh. general. Okay, Tom, Tom we, we've got a bad connection here. We're, we're going to try to reestablish the connection with you, so stay on the line. Uh, we'll get Patrick to try to uh, try to um, get you back. We're kind of cutting up, but we'll try to get you back right away. And you can call in as well, 888-914-9149. That's the number to call, 888-914-9149. I, I, I do think there's something to this. I think there's something to this. Um, I never used to be a proponent of this. Uh, growing up, I used to think, e- even in terms of schools, um, school uniforms, I-, I went to schools in which, you know, public schools, you didn't have to wear a uniform. And I, I do think now that, that that it does make a difference. I really do. Um, I-, I just think that, you know, if you're a student, your job is really to study. And if you're kind of dressed like a slob, I I, I can't see that, how that doesn't carry over into your professional work, which is to be a student. And I think the same is true in many ways in the workplace. I don't know. It just, it just, and people like it or not, people do judge you by, by your appearances. I mean, there's just no way around that. They might say that they don't, but they do. The same is true for, for mass as well. And he didn't even go into that, this in the, in the article, but the way that people dress for mass and people will say, well, you know, they'll quote scripture, 
you know, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, you know, like the, the selection of, of King David among Jesse's sons, some of them were taller, some of them were handsome, but David, you know, he's the, he's the, he's the guy. God saw his heart. He was a man after God's own heart. Well, God doesn't care what I wear to mass. He, he's just glad that I'm here and he's looking at my heart. Well, it's true. He may be, that is all true. I don't dispute that at all, but everybody else is looking at what you're wearing. And the message that you're sending is that I don't care. Like, this is not important to me. Because, because it, the, the, the gravity of the occasion or the solemnity of the occasion is often signified by, by how we dress. I remember at my parish, uh, we, had a, we had a youth minister who was, he was a really nice guy. But, but um, one time there was a funeral at the parish and he was going to actually go to the funeral. He didn't even really know this guy. He just wanted to kind of show up and, you know help the family and, and pray. And, and he was kind of wearing like jeans and a t-shirt and he was going to go to, the, I was like, dude, you can't go to the, this guy's funeral in, in, a, in a pair of jeans. It's like, I mean, the family will be, will be offended by this, I think. And he, and he, he looked at me like he never even thought about this before. Like, Oh man, I really like what's wrong with jeans? I don't know. I want to hear what you guys think. And you guys are, are filling up the phone lines right now. So I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick, quick break and we'll get right back with your phone calls. 888-914- 9149's Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Be right back. But I got smarter, I got harder in the nick of time. Honey, I rose up from the dead, I do it all the time. I got a list of names and yours is in red underlined. I check it once, then I check it twice. Oh, look what you made me do. Okay, everybody, this is uh, Patrick Mahomes sitting in for uh, Kale Clark just for a minute. Um, Okay, I'll be right back. I had to step out for a second, but I just want to encourage you to watch my Kansas City Chiefs playing the Philadelphia Eagles. We can, we can turn that down, okay, Producer Jim? Yeah, I've heard I've heard quite enough about Taylor Swift. You know, he's she's obviously dating my tight end, Travis Kelsey. But I hope I'll be sure he's been actually playing great ever since they started dating. And uh, um, and this is not really Patrick Mahomes. It's Kale Clark. I'm working on my Patrick Mahomes impression. Mahomes impression. I don't nice know job, Kale. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's really working out. I think it needs some work. Maybe I'll uh, break it out at the relevant Christmas party. I, I have no idea. But anyways, yeah, big big game tonight. Monday Night Football. It's a redo of last year's Super Bowl Fifty Seven, and it might be a sneak preview of this year's Super Bowl as well. The the Chiefs are seven and two. The Eagles are eight and one. The Kelsey brothers uh, play for those teams respectively. Jason Kelsey, of course, is the um, I think he was named. Is is he in? Was he in the running, or was he named the sexiest athlete alive? I don't know. It's kind of a joke because you know, Travis Kelsey is the one everybody's talking about. So Jason Kelsey, of course, is the center for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Travis Kelsey, great tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, is dating Taylor Swift. In case you didn't know, she's kind of the gift that keeps on giving to the NFL. And uh, some some Eagles fans are actually mad at at Taylor Swift because she grew up in Pennsylvania and she's allegedly an Eagles fan, but of course now she's kind of not. I, I understand that. You know, romantic relationships kind of get in the way sometimes, but there's an article in the USA Today about that, that she should, uh, um, you know, just, you got to ride or die the whole time. You, you can't just, you know, change teams just because you're dating a guy on the other team. Anyways, we'll see what happens tonight. Um, hopefully, um, I need a big night from A.J. Brown from the Eagles. I need him to score at least 33 fantasy points for me to beat Mike Kendall in the relevant football fantasy league um so i can retain my first place status we got bigger things to talk about here we were talking before the break about whether or not uh the dress code in america has gone too far towards slovenliness if that's even a word have we become a nation of slobs senator john fetterman 
maybe is the poster boy for this trend. Uh, does it matter? What do you think? Love to hear your voice. 888-914-9149. If you don't call in, I will go back to the Patrick Mahomes impersonation <laughs> voice, which I don't want to do, and I don't think you want me to either. So let's go to Eli in Cypress, California, in Orange County. Hi, Eli. Hi. I love your show. I love Thank you, sir. Thank you very fan. much. I, God bless you. I'm so glad that you, you represent uh, the Catholic family here. Um, about that, I think I just love the topic. Um, when we go to church, an example, I would love to see the ladies, for example, dress appropriately. And uh, back in the days when I was younger, we used to see a little more uh, respect. We used to see a little mm-hmm. more overall including my daughter when she was growing up, we would dress her up in her little, you know, uh, dress and so on and so forth. Um, I see the women, I tell my daughter, you know, a woman can look so beautiful back in the days and it's always, mm. you know, quoting the back, the, 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 the past, uh, you know, how women used to, once in a while they would dress, and, you know, their beautiful dresses. Mm. They, they, they would, you know, I even... Um, my daughter was going to travel to uh, Rome. She was going to go to Rome. And I, I was downloading information, and I told my daughter, you know, in Rome, I learned that the, the fashion <laughs> where the Romans, they're, they're adamant about not, not changing uh, certain uh, uh, dress codes to, uh, to appease, yeah. uh, you know, us Americans and uh, the world. They, they, they have a little more... Uh, style and they 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 frown upon other people that walk in there with their sandals. It was like whatever happens, yeah. don't go with sandals in a church, mm. don't go with sandals, and so on and so forth. So I think it's something beautiful that America is losing, and um, today's society, especially the young people, for example. One thing I used to hate about the young crowd of uh, you know sagging the pants, showing the underwear. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so ridiculous that I told my son one time when I was dropping him off from at, at the junior high. I told him, "Look, uh, the, the, well, the funny the funny thing is, uh, Eli. Yeah, I have always wondered when I see when I that trend. I don't know if it's still a thing. Yeah, where people kind of the, the pants are kind of sagging down, and I, I don't know how some people kept their pants up. I, I just didn't get it. But I guess it's. I thought you were going to say, "Hey, I'll give you a wedgie, man, if you do that again," because I can see that underwear. <laughs> just going to do that no don't do that but but <laughs> thanks for that call eli appreciate that and uh yeah I, I, it's interesting you go to some obviously holy sites in, in europe and, and in the holy land they will not let you enter these places unless you have you know if, if you're a lady to have you know your shoulders covered and even for the guys you can't kind of walk in there with a tank top or anything like that uh they will give you something to put on like a shawl or, or something so that uh, for, for decorum's sake if you will and I don't know, may, maybe, should we bring that back in North America? I am not sure. It's an interesting question, though. Let's go to Rosie now in Florida, in Central Florida. Hello, Rosie. Hey there, Kyle. Wonderful. Love, love hearing your show. Love everybody at Relevant Radio. I'm listening to you guys through the app because I can't oh. get a station. Um, but oh. I, I, I think it's just pretty sad that the whole whole thing has just gotten so relaxed. And I think we as Americans do that more than better than anybody, especially at airports, so forth, you know, tank shirts, sneakers, the whole works. I remember my dad wearing a hat. And, and I'm, you know, I'm not that old, but I remember dad wearing a hat, a proper hat and a sports coat to go, go travel and so forth. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, you want, 
you want to do it at the mall, you want to do, you know, look like a slob anyway, but don't do it at, at church. And I've witnessed this quite a bit in, in different churches where the women are just not covered enough. And, and I, I wish that, you know, sometime, you know, when you go up to, to communion, the priest would deny the, the, the Eucharist. I mean, I, I saw one little girl, well, not little girl, she was maybe 19 in front of me, and her little sister, they had these white jegging things on, and the girl was a little bit, you know, round, and you would have thought she was in a girl, and she went and had Holy Communion, and I was like, are you kidding me? So I really think out of respect for our dear Lord, if somebody said, hey, Jesus Christ who died for you is in the next room, he wants to meet you, you sure as heck want to clean up? I would. Mm. I would, out of respect for him, want to give him my very, very best. So I wish we would change. In Europe, you can still see some elegant people and more of a, a respect um, and how you, you dress to at least attend services. Hey, Rosie, thank you so much for that call. I appreciate that call. And uh, uh, we had an off-air caller that, that uh, called in. Didn't want to come online but uh, and say this on the air, but uh, Patrick Elog told me that uh, this person said that last night they went to Walmart and there were people there shopping wearing their pajamas and slippers. So yeah, people are doing this. I was right. you know. And, and uh, there you go. Pajama party at Walmart, folks. Um, take advantage of uh, some great... Uh, uh, rock bottom prices while you're there too. Maybe buy 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 some clothes. You know, I don't know. Anyways, I don't know. I don't know. Let's go to Eduardo in Tampa, Florida. Hello, Eduardo. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Well, what needs to happen, like it did in the past, uh, military service uh, that would instill good values in there. Let me mention a TV show, and this might be a little bit awkward, but one of the things that was popular about this TV show in the '80s, uh, I'm talking about Miami Vice was everybody got all dressed up with their coats and shirts and pants and all that. Mm -hmm. There was some decency about that, about dressing that way compared to now, the way people dress now. I don't know if you might agree with that. So we need a TV show from somebody famous so that way everybody else can copy that. And then there we go. (laughs) We can, we can bring that, uh, you know, more online as far as dressing up a a popular TV show. Any ideas? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, that's uh, maybe we should bring back you know Don Johnson, Miami Vice. You know, at least the 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 pastel T shirt with the uh, with the white jacket. Look, yeah, it's a little it's a lot more dressed up than um, what what's happening today for the most part. That that's for sure. That's for sure. Let's go now to Heidi in Phoenix. Hello, Heidi. Hey, Kale. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, yeah, you know, all the other things that you've mentioned, certainly we see a lot of that. But I'm in actually the corporate fitness world, and I work with uh-huh. a lot of people um, who are still in either a hybrid or work-from-home environment. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we've seen really a lot is, you know, it's fun for people to work at home, but they'll be in like a nice polo shirt and then flannel pajama bottoms and flip-flops or bare feet. And we're seeing such an increase in people just gaining weight, being less physically active. And one of the simplest things I'll challenge people to do is just, hey, see what happens if all you do is actually put on pants or even shorts and put on sneakers, put on shoes, Hmm. see if you're more physically active during the day. And they are. They're more willing to go for a walk or do something if they have shoes on. You know, that's a great point. And yeah, just, hey, put your shoes on and you can change your life, people. I'm telling you that. And it's true, especially when you're working from home, as many people were during COVID and it's continued for a lot of folks. 
it's very easy to never leave your home. If you're there for work, you're there at home, your family comes home, you know, your kids come home from school, you're still there. And you want to go out and maybe do something, but they, they want you to stay home. They want you to hang out. And uh, that can be tough sometimes uh, on your health. So it's really important to get out. Get yourself a dog. You have to walk the dog. That's honestly, I, I've lost, a, I, you know, I, I've lost about 15 pounds in the last little while just from walking the dog. I mean, it just kind of adds up over time. A friend of mine saw me this weekend, hadn't seen me in many months, and he was like, wow, you've lost weight. And I said, I need to lose another 15 at least because uh, I need to get down to my my fighting weight. Uh, but um, still can't fit my high school prom tuxedo, I don't think. But, you know, I'm on the way. I'm on the way. We've got to get moving. There's, there's no question about that. 100%. I agree with you there. Let's go to RJ in San Francisco. Hey, RJ, how you doing? Thank you for taking me on. Uh, good. Thank you. Um, do you remember I'm 80 years old and I, um, I went to the seminary when I was 14 through the wow. uh, high school years. And the first thing that they taught us in Latin was vestis verum facet. <laughs> and you know what that means? Does that mean like the, the clothes make the man? That's it. Yeah. It's I'm a Latin forever. scholar. <laughs> All right. I, I, not really. I, not I, really. I, I, I forgot about that. Sorry about that. No, no, I'm not. I'm not a Latin scholar. I was just kidding. I, that was a lucky guess. I'll tell you. But, uh, <laughs> but, but that, but that, but that stuck with you, did it? It did, and it did with the rest of the men because you know we dressed. Uh, we're in, and then what, what? What about the the days? Uh, what was it, John Travolta? Boy, yeah, did they have some dressy outfits then. That's I thought a, that was pretty cool. Those, those big collars and those uh, and those silk shirts and and um, yeah, I. But look at it now; it's just changed considerably. Yeah, it, it sure has, RJ. Hey, appreciate that call, and that's uh, it's true. The the clothes make the man; um, they make the woman too, in in many ways, and and it, it does it does show something, I believe, of of respect for yourself and for other people. You know, and it's fine. If you're working out and stuff, you're casual, that's fine. But why not elevate things just a little bit? That's what we try to do every day on the Kale Clark Show. We try to elevate your life just a little bit. And hopefully we uh, succeeded in that at some level. I'm Kale Clark. Jim Shaper produced. Patrick Alog took your phone calls. We'll be back tomorrow. Never fear. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.